Hey everyone, this is me, Ebony, your girl E. Welcome to my podcast on this special episode. I am trying to um, add in my good friend, Dr. Kenny. Um, I sent him the link, so he should be joining us shortly. Sorry, it took a few minutes. Um, yeah, this is I'm new on this platform, so it's it's a work in progress. So sorry, guys, but he should be on shortly, and we will get started. But today's topic is uh, dealing with church hurt. Um, something that God had put on my heart to talk about uh, a few months ago that I think is important for us to cover. Whatnot. So I'm just giving a few minutes to get logged on and whatnot. Just bear with bear with me because I'm not good with all all these technology platforms and, and things like that. So but I think today's topic is gonna be a good episode. Hey Dr. Kitty, what's going on? How you doing? Can you hear me? Okay, I can't hear you. Is that a problem? Let me see. Do I have to add you to the stream? I'm sorry. I don't know how to use this platform. Oh, <laughs> okay. Got it. <laughs> Ooh, ciao. Me and technology don't go together. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, 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 good. So um, I'm introducing you now. This is my good friend, Dr. Kenny. We go way back like 2008. He is an author, um, a transformational speaker. And uh, he's a comedian and a performer, and he does all this jazz and all these great things. And he is, is, is well tested, <laughs> well tested. And uh, without further ado, um, our topic is dealing with church hurt. Um, as you know, we talked about this uh, a little bit previously, but um, yeah. So, any words you have to say before we start or begin or anything? Well, first, of all, I'm just excited to be a part of this today, and. Um, Lesson. There's been so much going on over these past couple of days. So, you know, got stuff going on with my family and stuff like that. But um, but everything is great. I can't complain. I'm just so happy to, again, be a part of this today and just be able to just to be able to share, um, you know, just uh, a couple of things from my perspective of not just a congregant in a, in a ministry, but also as a pastor. So. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Okay, me too, me too. Okay, let's get started. So um, as you know, you know, God put this on my heart to, you know, talk about church hurt um, because I think, it's, I think it's like one of those topics that sometimes it's like skimmed over and talked about like maybe a little bit, but sometimes it's missed from different perspectives. I think that when you're talking about it from a one-dimensional standpoint, you mm -hmm. can miss, you know, the, 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 I guess the whole picture, you know, because I, when I think of church hurt, I think of like a three dimension. I think of, you know, you have church hurt from a pastor, pastor's perspective. Mm -hmm. um, you have church hurt from the congregational, you know, perspective. Mm -hmm. And then you have church hurt sometimes from, you know, the children who grew up under the ministry because, you know, their father, their mother was like the first lady and a pastor and a minister. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they have a way different perspective than a pastor or the congregation. Yeah. So you know, with different dimensions, you have diff different perspectives, but with different perspectives, you have different outlooks and different testimonies, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes kind of bump heads, but, you know, we are all, you know, one body of Christ. So that's what I was talking about today. Um, I do have a few questions for you, and then I'll chime in, you know, afterwards, you know, after your input, if you are ready to get started. 
I'm ready. <laughs> so my first question for you is, is, have you experienced church hurt yourself? And if you did, you know, how did you, you know, deal with it? And um, what was your experience as a believer? Well, actually, I, I have experienced church hurt um, way before I was a pastor. It's funny that you mentioned um, the perspective of a child because I was a child when I first experienced church hurt. Um, I'll be more specific. Um, I was about 16 years old. I was a sa you know, sa young saxophonist. I was playing the organ at my church, playing drums at the church and all that. And uh, I had gotten this phone call um, to go to this other church and play uh, for their youth uh, Sunday. And so I, you know, I took the engagement, you know, um, not thinking that I was embarking on a career. Um, I was just going to another church just to play for their youth day. Well, some people from my home church heard that I went to go play at another church. And, uh, you know, they felt the need to, you know, kind of get up in my face the next Sunday and tell me that I was going to hell because I was planning another church. And they told me that, um, you know, God ain't pleased that you're going somewhere else playing. Um, God gave you that gift here. So you need to leave that gift here and stuff like that. But um, what I what I got from that. Um, was just how territorial people can be over other people's gifts. And so, um, of course, back then, um, I saw it as one of those things where I was like, man, you know, these people are mean. You know, how are they telling me I'm going to hell when I'm playing the same music that I've been playing here? I'm just playing at another church. And so, again, it was just me uh, gathering this understanding at an early age of how church people think sometimes because they want people to pigeonhole themselves into one specific church, especially if you're a musician, uh, if you happen to be a young minister, you know, if you sing, they want you to only sing at that church. But to me, when I read the Bible, it talks about going out into those highways and those hedges and all that and making sure that we're making disciples, right, of all men. All mankind. And in the Bible, it said all men, but it's talking about all mankind. And so, um, yeah, that's that's just uh, one situation <laughs> where I experienced some church hurt. Okay, we're going to stick to the one for now. But but how did you how did you deal with that? And did how long did it like take you to overcome the, uh -huh. the, the hurt? And did you, you know, remain at that church? Yep. So I remained at the church because that was my family church. Right. And uh, the thing was, for me, uh, I, I, I brought it to my mom's attention first. OK. And I wanted my mom to know what was said. And my mom told me, she said, baby, I know that your gifts may have been cultivated there, but it doesn't mean that you keep the gift there. And, uh, you know, over the years, I've just learned that people are people. And uh, I'm sorry, somebody's trying to call, I think. <laughs> so, uh, but what I learned over the years is that people are people. And uh, back then, my first response was, I ain't coming back here no more. I ain't playing here no more. I'm not doing it at this church. I don't care what they say, right? That was, that was the response. So just like <laughs> you know, but that, that's the initial response for most people, right? But I, I had to learn by 
kind of sticking it out and, and trying to understand what they were saying. And really what it was, was they loved me, right? They really did love me. They didn't want me to go out there and get hurt, right? Because there's a lot out there, right? There's a lot going on, especially when you're a 16 year old musician. You know, people could be trying to take advantage of you or what they kept telling me, oh, they just prostituting your gift. And I was like, wait a minute, I ain't no prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 I mean that's how I, I initially reacted was I wanted to just be done with that church but after talking to my mom she helped me to understand that they people are people you know a lot of folks are just territorial they don't want you to step outside the quote-unquote box right but um that's something that's absolutely necessary especially when you have a call in your life that is true that is true. And then when you were talking about, you know, uh, what your mom said, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, glad, you know, and I know that some people don't have the privilege, you know, that some of us have had with our parents. You know, mm -hmm. you could have easily walked away, but you had a mother who, you know, dealt with you in your moment of hurt and said, you know what, uh, this is the way it is. This is how you can see it from a different perspective. You mm -hmm. just learn to accept how people think. But mm -hmm. Only to but still be planted where you are. Like God says, you will be born where you're planted. Still on, and you have to learn how to grow. But at 16 years old, that you know, that's to me, I would think that that's still kind of hard because remember when I was 16 years old, you know, you don't really understand life. You don't really understand judgment. You don't really understand people. So mm -hmm. you know, unfortunately, you know, for some people, they don't have that. You know, that that cornerstone like you had with your mom, and she sounded like she was a wonderful woman of God who had a lot of wisdom that would stay in the right direction because I know with Satan what he does um, in our hurts and our pains and in our weaknesses is that's the time to plant seeds that are dark so when mm -hmm. you're you, you go towards the darkness you run away and you do things that you know well if I'm hurt you know I'm just going to go out and lash out and do you know do things different so you were fortunate you know, to have a mom who who, you know, said, okay, let me just give him a word of wisdom. Let me just plant seeds, you know, mm -hmm. that further. And it kind of reminds me of when I was 17 about my church. So this is where I'm going to get into my little testimony, right? So mm -hmm. grow up, you know, churchy, you know, like some people were in church, you know, and I don't want to say the word churchy. I don't want to offend nobody, but I didn't grow up in church. I grew up in New York. You know, my father believed that, you know, if we found God, you know, he prayed that we would, you know, get saved. But if we found him, we found him, and if he didn't, you know, it was still the prayer from my grandmother. So I didn't grow up in church because he didn't want us, you know, to force church on us. But I always mm -hmm. had the desire to go to church. So I started going to church when I was 16, 17 years old, still in high school. And I remember this one incident where there was a, you know, a boy. <laughs> I won't say his name, but there was a boy who was interested in me. And I really wasn't interested in him. <laughs> so to but he came up to me and he had asked me out and remind you, you know, I'm 16, 17 years at a time. So I got mm -hmm. saved when I was 14 years old. Wow. And at the time, right, at the time, you know, I can really hear God really specifically, specifically. And when he asked me out before I could respond, the Holy Spirit told me to say no. Mm. The Holy Spirit warned me that something wasn't right. But what did I do? I said yes. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so I said, okay, yes, we can go out on a date and blah blah blah. So fast forward, went out on a date. 
after the date, you know, he was, you know, still interested in, you know, trying to, you know, you know, put the rhymes on and say, oh, you know, we got to, you know, slow down, you know, you know, we're not going too fast. And, you know, he wanted to be my boyfriend at the time. I was like, mm -mm. <laughs> I don't want to you know, date you like that. I don't want to make it official because, you know, I wanted to get to know you, you know, and blah, 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 blah. So fast forward as to I'm finding out now why God told me no. So he went and told everyone in the church that I was his girlfriend. And I wasn't. <laughs> yes. He told everyone else's girlfriend and I wasn't. And then I went to the church like either the next Sunday or the following Sunday. And everyone come up to me, oh, congratulations. You and him are dating. They're so nice. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> we're not dating. Like, I, I, I'm like, okay. So I was like, we're not dating. But I kept it to myself, you know, specifically what I had said. So when I saw him, I was like, hey, uh, can I talk to you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why is everyone thinking that we're dating? He was like, oh, yeah, well, I told everyone, you know, that you're my girlfriend. I'm like, well, I'm not. <laughs> I'm like, we went out on one date. Right? Because into existence. <laughs> yes. I'm like, I'm not being here, bro. <laughs> Let me know, right? Mm -hmm. So this is me being disobedient. So time went on, and I guess the rumor started, right? So I told him, I was like, you know what? You're trying to move things way too fast. I'm like, you want a girlfriend? And I'm like, I'm only 16, 17 years old, dude. I'm trying to, like, finish, you know, my <laughs> SATs. I'm trying to finish high school, so I'm going to college. You know, you know, in New York City, we have what's called a regents exam. I'm like, dude, I'm studying. Like, I don't have time for, you know, the school issues right now. So I told him, basically, you know, in a nutshell, you know, we can't do this, you know, because you're too fast, right? Mm -hmm. so fast forward, I go to church again. And I guess he told everyone in church, you know, some rumors. You know, oh, she broke up with me. You know, she didn't want to be with me. Blah, blah. So everyone thought I was like this, this heartbreaker. Now my husband's been to the church for a few months, <laughs> right? And from then it just spiraled on downward. You know, and then one day I spoke to you know the pastor. So I was not only hurt from him, I was also hurt from a pastor's perspective, being a member of the church. Mm. Has spoke to him and confided in him because this issue is ongoing. And you know how church can be. The rumors start to look at you different things like that. So I had spoke to him and said, hey, you know, this is the problem, you know, um, you know, with your advice. So then he got up one one uh Bible study, right? And he just let me have it. <laughs> the whole congregation, you know, that you know, I was a heartbreaker, and you know, you can't shouldn't date certain women because they will use you. Yes. It and when Dr. King, when I tell you, I sat in the excuse and cried. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? I never know. We went out on one date, one date, escalated from his girlfriend to be breaking up with him. So the pastor thinking that, you know, I was a heartbreaker and his mama didn't like me. <laughs> oh, not mama. <laughs> Basically, I stopped going to that church, you know, and it's funny. That was the first church that I I was able to attend, you know, after I got saved a few years, you know. And I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. this is my church home. I've never, I didn't work in church. So this is my church. Mm -hmm. So basically, after that, I stopped going, right? And it was just a whole mess. But looking back on it, you know, when he first asked me out, you know, when the Holy Spirit clearly said, no, do not accept the invitation, you know, yeah. to this person. Mm -hmm. This is why. And, you know, when we sometimes ignore, well, I wouldn't say sometimes, all the times we ignore God, right? When he right. says no, right. 
That's <laughs> what's around the corner, right? But mm-hmm. it means that you shouldn't go down that corner because X, Y, Z is going to happen. He doesn't know the story specifically, but we have to trust God's know. So that was my first uh, experience with church hurt. And it took a few years for me to begin the pastor. Is, you know, the person who started the universe. And, and it's funny because a few years later, you know, after I graduated at EMT, you know, I went back, you know, I visited the church. You know, I had no ill will. I forgave. You know, my mindset, you know, was that, you know, people are who they are. So when I went back, you know, to, you know, to go to the church after I visited, you know, New York, uh, after graduating, you know, basic training for the military, for my non-military folks, um, it's funny because the pastor actually ended up apologizing to me. And not only did he apologize to me in private, he apologized uh, in public. You know, he he's, he has said his words, I'm not going to repeat what he said, but he has said his words and realized, you know, that as a pastor that he was wrong and he shouldn't have used his platform, you know, to bash me and, and not realizing the whole story. Yeah. That was my my uh, experience with dealing with church hurt, and I was like, wow, you know, because at that age, you know, you, sometimes you have, um, I guess, a pure mindset towards certain people of the, the household of faith, and you hold them to a higher standard, and then you yeah. that they're not that way, and that they can be sometimes worse in the world, mm-hmm. and to emulate, you know, who God is, it can kind of take the belief, you know, of who God is, but, but luckily for you, you Bible study and some some molding, you know, I didn't relate that to God. I just relate that to you know what these people, you know, mm-hmm. they they have flaws, you know, yeah. that we have to, you know, get through. So that's, <laughs> that's my experience. <laughs> I, I think it's amazing, though. I have to say this: that the pastor actually apologized. You know, when you came back to the church, there there's a lot of times that you know especially in our community where they don't, people don't feel like they have to apologize because they're like, well, I'm a pastor and I said what I said. Well, I work with a lot of pastors and I talk to pastors and I say stuff like this. You have to be careful what you say when you're on that platform. Okay. When you're, when you're standing in that pulpit, these people, they are hanging on to every single word that you say. And so if you utilize this thing in a malicious way, you're going to assassinate people in your church. And so uh, when I did a conference a few years ago, a bunch of other pastors there, and I said, one of the things that we always have to be careful of and be careful about is how we handle the platform slash stage that God has given us. Because as pastors, we cannot just say any and everything that we think or feel in the moment, because that one moment, that you say what you think or feel, that could be the thing to, I mean, kill the entire ministry based on, oh, I feel this way, or I think this right now, because I don't even get involved. As a pastor, I don't get involved in a lot of the personal issues when it comes to what I call civil matters between people. I typically don't even get involved. Now, if I do get involved, It's because they brought it to me and they wanted me to help them through the issue. But as far as like if I see stuff um, going on between two individuals, I typically don't even get involved unless I'm asked to get involved. Because sometimes we think, oh, well, I'm going to get in here and make them talk to each other. I'm going to make them do this. And it's like, well, no, 
Because see, God doesn't handle people that way. Okay? So we have to be careful how we handle people because see, if we're forceful in our approach, they're not going to listen to you. They're going to be rebel, right? So, so again, I'm just happy that you got that apology. Thank you. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. But that's that's a good thing that you have stated that you you know you don't get involved with you know with affairs. But me, you know, like I said, not growing up in church and you know mm-hmm. uh, not being a pastor, you know, I would think that a, that was one of the you know a pastor's role. So I'm glad that you clarified that you know, and that's a different perspective because I have seen you know pastors try to um, have hands on and everything you know that you know people do, and it kind of reminds me of, and God has put this on my heart. It reminds me of Moses when he was tired and he had that great anointing and he was like, God, you know, you trying to use me to do all this and who's going to help me? And God is like, well, I sit through people. So why you trying to do any and everything? You know, you have other people to help mm-hmm. you, other people to take on this burden. So as the head shepherd, like you are the, the, the shepherd of, you know, your house, you know, and I'm glad that you said that to, it defines a role to for one, it keeps you separate. Not that you know you're trying to be better, but you're trying to establish boundaries. Because mm-hmm. I believe that pastors and the congregation and ministers need boundaries. It's like just like how you have boundaries within any relationship. Those boundaries is to protect you, and it's also to protect the congregation and the people. So mm-hmm. I'm glad to clarify that because for me, that's a different perspective. To know that a pastor doesn't have to be all up in, you know, like how we say everybody's Kool-Aid, right? Mm-hmm. You, know, yeah. you know, so that's, that's a good thing. I, I do appreciate you uh, for stating that. So my next question that I have for you is um, how should we deal with church when it comes to children? Now, I'm going to be blunt, you know, being molested, being emotionally, mentally, um, and verbally hurt by church members um, and adults being sexually, you know, assaulted within the church. You know, how? Well, first and foremost, I'll say this, you know, this is going to be a very non-traditional church answer. And I'm a very non-traditional pastor. Right. Um, I'm like this. If somebody is sexually abusing a child in that church, they need to be in jail. That's the first thing. It ain't no bringing them up to to the ministers and bringing them up before no board and all this kind of stuff. That's the old school way of doing stuff. I don't believe in that, because at the end of the day, if you do something to a child, your behind needs to be in jail, period, point blank. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Because listen, we got to quit trying to separate the quote-unquote church and the worldly people. See, a lot of people in church still have a quote-unquote worldly mind. They still have worldly activities that they engage in, right? And we have to learn that, yes, the Bible talks about us being in the world, but not being of the world. And it's not talking about that in a fleshly sense. What it's talking about is from a spiritual perspective, there is certain levels of knowledge and wisdom that we should have now that we've been, or been uh, around church, or being, have been in the word and stuff like that. Once we are there, right, then your mindset, that's what the Bible is talking about now, is your mindset should not be of a worldly mindset. But think about it for a moment. A lot of the church thinks very worldly. All these possessions, 
yeah. that they've been teaching for so long. Oh, go get your new house. Go get your new car. Go get this money. Go get that. Well, look, I work in the funeral business too. When people die, they don't take no money, no house, no car. See, all those things are not necessary. We should be teaching the kingdom of God and the kingdom principles, because when we teach those things, then you won't have to have all these uh, conversations about sexual abuse, verbal abuse, all this stuff. Because what happens is when we understand the kingdom of God, we understand that it's not manipulative in any way. A lot of times the, the physical abuse, the verbal abuse that these children suffer in the church, it's simply because somebody feels like they have much more power than these children. Therefore, they want to usurp some sort of authority over these kids or they want to manipulate these kids into doing something that they know they shouldn't even be talking to these kids about anyway. So yeah. let me so let me drill down into that for a moment. Okay. So as far as how should we handle it? I believe that we should all make children feel as comfortable as possible coming and let somebody know when something is going on that ain't right. Okay. And we and we got to stop acting like these kids don't go through nothing. See, I'm one of them pastors who talk about Kids do have a lot of things going on that a lot of times these adults try to act like they don't understand. We have to learn to become more transparent because I talk to all the children that's a part of Faith Builders Ministries about how I was molested multiple times. OK, and I talk to them about why I was afraid to talk to somebody about it, because there was what what I thought was guilt and shame. That was on me from trying to tell, you know, because you, you, you want to tell somebody, but it's like, but what are they going to think when I say this? I'm, I'm a little boy and I was molested by a girl who was way older than me. OK, so what are they going to think? What are they going to say now? As far as the physical, as far as the, the even the verbal, you know, I was verbally abused at my home church because they were telling me I was going to hell for playing music at another church. And I'm sitting there like, wait a minute. So I'm going to hell for playing godly music, the same music I play here. I play somewhere else, but I'm going to hell for it. So, so, so I was always wondering, so how do people determine okay. who's going to hell and who's not? It's not for them to determine, it's God. Absolutely. So, so what, what I learned over the years was it's simple. When people have uh they operate with that spirit of Jezebel they operate with that spirit of jealousy that spirit of envy that spirit of of uh I call it the python spirit too because a lot of times people want to they allow that python spirit to take a hold of them and almost choke the life out of their dreams out of their vision okay. choke the life out of everything that God has given them to do they allow that to choke the life out of it. And now they want to let that spirit, they want to release that spirit onto you. And I learned over the years yeah. that that's what was really going on. Because now when I look back and those same individuals who were saying these things to me, they still haven't moved forward with that's their lives. Mm -hmm. They are still stuck in those same places right now. Man, that's crazy. I'm glad you opened up. You know, I didn't, you know, knowing you for these many years, and I didn't know that about you. you know, I didn't know that, you know, you were molested, you know, in your church home, you know, the verbal abuse and things like that. But I'm so happy that God still used you and that you mm -hmm. cultivated a life 
outside of the hurt and inside of the hurt, you know, you still went on the path because there are so many people who they don't, they don't allow God to still use them from their struggle. Like mm. you know, how many people who are dead ground now, you know, with so many wishful thinking, so many dreams that they could have fulfilled, you know, and I do believe, you know, that people have, they can choose, they can choose life, they can choose death. You know, if you choose a life that God has for you, you're going to have to get through something. You're going to have to grow through something. You're going to have to transform through something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can also not do what God wants you to do because I do know and believe, and I know that you know that God gives all of us that free will. And he, the Bible, he says, choose death or choose life. If you choose that, this is, the, this is what can happen for you. You can be prosperous. We can live long days. It's funny how, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know, but when, when God says choose life or choose death, he doesn't tell you what's going to happen if you choose death. He just tells you what happens if you choose life. That way he's trying to highlight, hey, look, life is like this over here. If you do this, this is what's going to happen. All he says is if you choose death, death is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. And, and I pray that people, you know, this, this, uh, this broadcast that people will, you know, hear a testimony and, and get through whatever it is that they have gone through, whether it's years ago, five years ago, a year ago, yeah. to, to move on. Well, let me help them now. Let, let me help the, the people right now, because this is what God gave me, and it's been ringing in my spirit since, okay. the, since the conversation started. But God said, everything you go through in your life, God says a stage is being built. Okay. Okay. And so many people are looking for a platform right now. There's a lot of people on social media wanting a platform to, to do whatever they're doing, right? But God says, if you look at your life story, that is your stage. That is your platform. And so if we learn to, to, to start tapping into what our true story is, don't make up a story. Don't try to make people believe that you're one thing and you're not. God is like, no, utilize your real story, your real life. Allow that story stage to continue to be built so that as you stand on it, you you stand on strength, you stand on courage, you stand on love. And God says, even those things that did not feel good, God says, allow that to be the strength, the courage, everything you needed. God says, allow that stage to continue to be built because I'm telling you right now, a lot of us want to minister to millions of people, but God is saying, sometimes all it takes it's for one individual to watch your broadcast, one individual to be standing in a church, one individual to be on your job, one individual to be in the grocery store. And you speak to those individuals and y'all start to have a conversation, a little bit of dialogue. And then you start finding out things about each other. And God says, now you're utilizing that platform. Right. And so so, so this is the thing, too. Okay. I'll say this. We have to stop looking at our story like, oh, my God, this happened to me. So this make this means I'm weak. God's like, no, if you made it through it, that means you're strong. And so that's why the Bible tells us to say the opposite of what is actually going on. It, the Bible says, let the weak say I'm strong. Yes. Let the poor say I'm rich. We have to learn to speak those things that be not as though they already were. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I digress. <laughs> Keep going, man. That's good. That is good. Definitely good. Because, you know, people do have to speak things into existence because mm-hmm. I feel like 
when we go through things and, and, and when we are in our weakness, like I said earlier in the broadcast, you know, when you're in your weakness, that's when Satan tries to plant his seed so you mm -hmm. can turn and make those detours in life. But if mm -hmm. you're speaking God's word, you're going to the enemy. You're using God's word, which is the sword, right? You're the enemy's, uh, his, his venom. You're cutting, you know, he's throwing at you. So if in, the enemy's speaking negativity to you, but if you God's work back, you know, right. greater works that we shall do because he now goes to the Father. So mm -hmm. if you're speaking as Christians, as believers, because we have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, mm -hmm. it works doesn't always mean a miracle. Greater works sometimes means speaking word, speaking God's word, and that means that that word becomes more powerful. Right. So right. Speaking the enemy, like you said, you speak and speak it into existence, and as if, you know, that it is life. So yes. Okay, so next question. Mm -hmm. Is the approach you think is to deal with toxic church members and church mm -hmm. leaders? <laughs> this is funny. Uh, so, so, so for me, the way I've always dealt with it is number one, allowing there to be some separation in my mind uh, of the fact that these individuals, though they may be in quote unquote leadership, they have weaknesses just like everyone else. Um, I've had to learn over the years that toxic people, the reason why they are toxic is because there's something going on internally with them and they're spewing out what's in them. The Bible is clear. It's not about what necessarily goes in, right? It, what, what's coming out of them. Right. What 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 is it that's coming out of you? Are you allowing um, uh, poison to be spewed out of your mouth onto people? Right. And so for me, my question to toxic people always is. So what's going on for real? What's really, you know what I mean? Like like I, I, I hear what you're saying, but what's really happening? Because sometimes, and we've been seeing this over the past couple of years where pastors are coming out and they're saying a lot of the words that I was preaching, I really didn't believe. And some of us, we like, oh, my God, they said they didn't believe what they was preaching. Well, let me tell you something. There are a lot of people who read the Bible just to get a word to give to somebody else or they'll go get a word to use against somebody else. And God is saying that the Bible is not an outward facing book. The Bible is an inward facing book. So we should never go look for a message to get somebody with. Oh, get them, God. Like, nah, we should see the message that we need to be looking for is, Lord, I have some areas in my heart, some areas in my mind that need some work. I need you to do, uh, I call it, I say, God, do an operation on me, Lord. Lord, work on my mind through and through. God, send your cleansing stream through me so that if there is some toxicity in there, I need it to be washed out. And so what, what I do, what I do is when I when I see and I encounter toxic people, number one, I, of course, I pray for them. But number two, if I feel led to talk to them and have a conversation, it's funny how you'll start to find out what's really happening. I've done it on multiple occasions where I've even asked certain individuals, hey, is it okay if we do lunch? 
And when we, when we do lunch, I sit down with them and I find out what's really going on. Sometimes they are behind on their bills, don't know how to come out and just tell people. And I'm talking about people in leadership now. Okay. Right. Don't know how to come out and tell people what's really going on. Some people are going through relationship issues, don't know how to tell nobody else in the church because they're afraid they're going to be judged and people won't see them, you know, as a pastor no more. I've been in situations where a pastor wouldn't even dance with his wife at a banquet because he was afraid of how the congregation would see him. And I'm like, but if they saw you dance with your wife, don't you think that that would help to strengthen marriages? Because now these husbands who haven't danced with their wives since their wedding night, they might dance with their wives again, right? Yes. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things that 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 I see as a pastor that a lot of people are not quote unquote privy to because they're not in that quote unquote position of leadership. But there's a lot of things that I see. When especially, especially the toxic uh, people and the toxic relationships that that exist within the confines of religion and church. Right, exactly. And I do think that, you know, as being a pastor, sometimes when it's your gift, I do think that God does give us the spirit of discernment so that when you're you're talking you're talking to your members of your church, you can see a different perspective because it is now your you know your calling to assist mm -hmm. them and give you that insight. But I also know that sometimes talking with people, a lot of people don't always want to be vulnerable. You know, they don't always want to open up, and and you know they may have like we're talking about now been hurt by the church, and they don't want to reveal that you know I don't have my life together, I don't have everything together, mm -hmm. especially. And in days now where, you know, you have social media, you know, you only capture the moments that, you know, you're happy, things are going good, but behind closed doors, you know, you can really be in like a zoo or like a war zone and people would never know because you take five seconds to smile on camera and, you know, every everyone's like relationship goes slash, you know, pastor goes and it <laughs> and, and the life behind closed doors is, is nothing like that. So, you know, when you're to them it's like wow you know i would never think that you were this way you know uh, meeting you so you know toxicity you know does happen in the church and unfortunately when you have toxic leaders and when you have toxic members it can push people away so my uh, next question is how do you deal as a pastor with the congregation who's dealing with maybe another pastor that's toxic or um the congregation that's toxic towards them what would your advice from a pastor's perspective so what i always tell people is number one you're not going to find a quote-unquote perfect church you're not going to find a perfect pastor you're not going to find a perfect congregation because people are just not perfect right that's first number two when it comes to dealing with toxicity i always tell people hey if there is something that is happening right don't be afraid to have conversations with people for me, I'm not afraid to have conversations with anybody. Um, I've had I've had other pastors who didn't like me um, because of what I teach. Right? I don't teach that I should be, uh, you know, making myself seem like I'm so much better than the congregation. I don't misutilize scripture either. When the Bible talks about uh, "touch not thine anointed and do thy prophet no harm," a lot of times pastors use that against the congregation so that. They can say, so you got to watch how you treat me. Well, no, touch not thine anointed is all people of God. And do the prophet no harm means don't kill the messenger. Okay? Uh, so that's me simplifying that scripture for you, okay? 
And so when um, when you look at that particular passage of scripture, you have to understand that everybody that's a man and woman of God and people only want to people sometimes want to believe that that's only people who go to church. That's not true. Well, God has allowed all of us to come here for a specific purpose, for a specific reason. Right. And so we have to watch how we treat everybody. And so with that being said, when it comes to how do you handle toxic people? How do you handle toxic leaders? Well, my thing is always, hey, have you actually had a conversation with them? OK, what about this individual do you do you see as toxic? OK, is it gossip? Is it that they are being malicious with their words when they're in the pulpit? Is it that they're always seeming to be uh, taxing the people uh, with the bills of the church? Uh, you know, I, I tell pastors this all the time. Don't go out and get a big building that, you know, you can't really afford. Why do I say that? Because at the end of the day, if you don't have a lot going on in that building, people are not going to support that building. You have to have things going on. Do you have a food bank? Do you have a daycare center? Do you have a training center for people? Uh, if they was, uh, if you were to do a job fair, you know, are you bringing people in so that uh, you can basically show people what you're doing with the building? We, the issue we have now. Okay. And I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say oh, it. One of the issues we have right now is people get so caught up on this quote unquote building, right? This quote unquote real estate that we forget that the people are the real estate. Okay. It is the people that make the church what it is. Okay. I use this example all the time. When I do conference, I say a club is not a club without the people. It's just an empty building. That is true. Okay. Cause see, it's not until the people show up that the building start jumping off, right? Right, exactly. That same thing with the church. The, the church building is just an empty building with a steeple on it until the people, nothing happens until the people arrive. We are the ones who change the atmosphere, okay? We are the ones that can, can come in and, and usher in the Holy Spirit, usher in God. We do that, right? And so this is what I tell folks all the time. Be careful with other people. And whenever you have an issue with someone, the Bible says that when you have an off with your brother, you know, you go to him. Right. So I tell people all the time, don't be afraid to have a conversation with this individual. And if this happens to be a pastor, if this happens to be a con somebody in the congregation, if you feel like you, you I don't feel comfortable talking to them. Well, that might not be the place for you then, because, right. see, for me, I'm the type of pastor where I tell people this is my cell phone number. If there's ever an issue ever. Call me. I, I look if, if it's constructive criticism, mm -hmm. call. OK, if people come to our ministry from another church, I don't ask a lot of the old traditional pastors questions. What I ask is, OK, did God call you to come here? OK, if God called you to come here, where did he say that you were supposed to be? OK, because I don't believe in people just coming and just sitting around. No, 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 no. Don't just come sit up under me. No. What did God call you here to do? Because obviously there was something that God called you here to do. Tell me what that is. And I promise you, we're going we gonna to make sure that we are putting you in the right area where God called you. According, according to your spiritual gifting, because a lot of people are operating in places that they probably shouldn't be operating in right now. I'm not saying ever, but right now they shouldn't be operating there. And that, when you operate in a space where you really don't belong right now, that can turn people toxic.
it. Yes, exactly. Because you're not operating in a gift of God. And when you're doing things in the flesh, and I can do this, you get frustrated. Mm-hmm. When you're frustrated, like the Bible says, you know, out of the issues, you know, of life, you know, it flows from your heart. So when yes. people reveal their heart, like you said, well, what's the what's the reason behind it? What's really going on? You start getting to see what's in them. So yeah, if, if you're not doing what God called you to do, you're gonna be frustrated. And, and it's not frustration, you're not happy. I do believe that it's it's an anointed frustration, right? It's it's the Holy Spirit telling you that He's not comfortable with you being in a place that you're not supposed to be in. So <laughs> your face. So I've I've been in that position before where you know God would bother me when in the past when I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do, whether I was either being disobedient or just not, you know, I mean there's still false in the disobedience, but when I was not doing what he was telling me to do, I would be frustrated. I'm like, why am I frustrated? Why am I not happy? You know, what is going on? And then I would get quiet with God and he would tell me because you didn't do what I told you to do. So that's where that uncomfortableness is from. That comes from that's where that sense from God is trying to nudge you to say you need to be doing what I told you to do last time, and then what we what we do as Christians, right? Well, mm-hmm. you look real. What do you want me to do? And you get quiet, and you're like, God did not answer me. And then He finally said, "Because you didn't do the last thing I told you to do, I'm not gonna give you a new answer. <laughs> it's still the same season. <laughs> this is still the same season." Okay, so last question before we end things. I know you know you got to get back to what you're doing. If not, I do want to say. Would be what would be the advice and possibly some some healing scriptures that you give to you know, people out there who you know have dealt with the, the, the church hurt and, and they're trying to you know get past and they're trying to move on to healing. What would be your your advice for healing the scripture that you can give them? And see, I'm I'm glad you asked that question. So so this is the thing. I tell people to read the whole Bible. The reason why I say- and I'm going to tell you why, though. I'm going to tell you why I say read the whole Bible, because what you're going to see throughout the entire Bible, from Genesis all the way to Revelations, you're going to see imperfect people that God still were using to do great things. And the thing is this, you know, we have, I share this for Mother's Day, okay? A lot of people, they look at their moms only as mom. They don't see their mom as an individual. And I tell people all the time, it's so easy to judge the quote unquote mom title. But when you understand that your mom is an individual just like you, guess right. what? You stop. You don't judge as much because you learn that some of the same things that your mom did or may be going through at the, at the present time. Right. You will find yourself going through some of the same things and saying some of the same stuff that your mom says. Exactly. Right? And, and so and so what I tell people is when you look at uh church leadership, when you look at uh, leadership outside the church, when you look at individuals, whether it be in the congregation or whatever, what you're seeing is a group of imperfect people trying to move things forward, right? Which is a mission, right? We're trying to move things forward. And the thing is, people get tired. Some people get weary. Some people want to manipulate folks into doing other things, right? That they're not supposed to be doing because a lot of people, they have their own idea, right? Which goes into ideology. And once 
that ideology is written, that is called a theology. And then after the theology is written, then you have people who will add some other stuff, which we call dogma, right? And so once, once you see all these things being inserted into people's daily lives, then you start seeing that toxicity start to happen because, oh, every idea that this individual had was from a place of manipulation. Now, why did I even use that before I get into this encouragement stuff, right? The reason why I use that is because sometimes if you take a step back, just take okay. a step back, right? Okay. Look at your own life, okay? Look at your own life. Look at the situations that you've gone through. Look at all the trials. Look at all the tribulations. Look at all the decisions that you made. Were all the decisions that we made as individuals, were they always of benefit? Or did we have to face some consequence for some decisions that we made? So, <laughs> so, so I use that because I want everybody to understand that even though we might want to think that we've never done some of the toxic things that we see people do, sometimes God will allow you to see somebody else do something just to show you a reflection of you. Yep. So, so, so with that, what I want to encourage everybody to do is become the best version of yourself that you can possibly be. Don't focus on the toxic people around you because you can always separate yourself from them and from the situations that come from toxic people. How do I know? Because I grew up around people that happen to be toxic. I had to learn to separate myself from them, discover who I am, because some people end up around toxic people a lot and they keep saying, why do I keep attracting these same people? Why do I keep attracting these old toxic men? Why do I keep attracting these toxic women? Well, the reason why is because there's a thing called the law of attraction and you don't attract the things you think about all the time. You attract what you are. So if you attracting toxic people all the time, you have to look at yourself and say, wait a minute, what is it about me that's attracting these same individuals over and over and over? So when you become the best version of yourself, there is a, a level of confidence. There's a level of contentment. There's a level of pride. There's a level of, of, of God that you will experience that you're not able to experience when you still have a bunch of toxicity in your body. Now, let's listen to this. Listen to this for a moment. Okay. When your body, your physical body is overly toxic, you start to become sick. Okay. Right? We do what we call detox. We detox our bodies so that we don't have so much toxicity in our bodies. So God told me to say this right now. How many of us have ever done a spiritual detox? Because, see, the thing is, we are so focused on the physical body, detoxing the body, all these detox teas we got now. Everybody drinking tea. Everybody want tea. Oh, I want my gut to come down. I want this to happen. I want that. God says, he says, we um, <laughs> got some tea. Oh, regular <laughs> tea. So, so if we if we think about how often we drink tea for our physical bodies to cause change, we have to now think about what's the godly tea that I need. Wow, that's a whole word. To to bring that toxicity 
out of my body. Some of us have spiritual arthritis right now and don't even know it. Some people, some people have spiritual diabetes right now and they're taking insulin shots, right? They're taking insulin shots spiritually and they are wondering why their body is following suit with what's going on in their, in their, in their spiritual body, right? And so God's saying this now. He said, there are so much more that you can experience as far as a greater life. What did Jesus say? I come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Well, in order for you to have an abundant life, we have to first recognize the fact that there is nothing outside of us that makes our life abundant. Mm -hmm. What makes your life abundant is what is within you, your mm -hmm. thought life. How is your spiritual life, right? Are you whole as an individual without all this stuff? And the question is, and actually the answer is yes, you are whole without all this stuff that people have been teaching us that we need to be happy. You don't need a whole bunch of stuff to be happy. Guess what? I know people who are homeless and they smile more than people who got these big old houses that okay. live in the neighborhood. Okay, they just be humming and staying tuned and praying for people. Mm -mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So live your best life. What, is that, what does that mean? Live in your true authentic space and that is the true essence of who you are. Live in the individual that God created. Don't live in the individual that you keep trying to build. Or oh, I'm a build this and I'm a build that. God like, none of that stuff don't mean nothing, okay? What means everything is you living in your true authentic space, in your true authentic self. And guess what? That's the encouraging word I got for everybody. And read the whole Bible. And I want you to start from Adam. And I want you to work your way all the way back. I'm serious. Start with Adam, right? He was the first man that God breathed breath in. And guess what? He wasn't perfect. God told his man, he says, I've created you to work. Basically, that's what he was saying. He created him to cultivate the ground that God had placed him on, right? But guess what? It wasn't everybody. Everybody tried to blame Eve. You can't blame Eve. You can't blame Eve. Adam took his eyes off of what God told him to keep his eyes on. Okay. And yes. that's that I ain't gonna get into all that. I ain't gonna get into all that today. <laughs> we <can> offline. <laughs> Man, but thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Dr. Kitty, for uh coming on with me today and for this podcast that will be airing um next week, Thursday, on my podcast oh. and whatnot. And I'm this this is a whole word. Right, this is like a whole sermon wrapped up in in a, in a podcast. This this thing to be or something because I do believe that you know I think that this is the season where you know we're coming out of COVID, so to speak, and now the church is going to be opening back up, and people have like out of the churches, you know, for a long time, and prayerfully God has been dealing with people, but I think that this is the on time word for people to if they haven't. Are ready to start dealing with that church hurt from years ago when you were or as a young adult, or you know, even nowadays, uh, to start dealing with it because I do believe that God is calling us to be better as a body of believers. You know, we're not just about an individual building, we all over the, the world, you know, have to unite as, as, as one in the body of Christ. You know, it's not Catholics against you know, uh, Baptists or Methodists against. No. Whoever, you know, we all have to come together and, and tear down those walls, you know, tear down those those, those old church hurts. Because mm -hmm. I do believe that when we come together 
as a body of Christ and when we tear down those walls, we, we are stronger together than we are separated because we are, like I tell people in some of my Bible studies, we are in our last of lesser days. If Jesus said it and Paul said it, that we were in the last day, imagine what we are now, right? And now is the time that Satan is going to amp up his tactics. He's going to amp up his his his, his bullets and, and his darts. And mm-hmm. us carrying on church hurting and having that mindset that, you know, I'm just going to do it alone. You can't do it alone. You know, no. after we need one another. We Absolutely. As the body of Christ, we need to keep each other covered in prayer. Mm-hmm. So thank you again for coming on uh and you're welcome and having and giving us this word word for the people uh any closing remarks or anything before you know we we you know end it i just pray that everybody just really get to know who god is really get to know yourself really get an understanding for the holy spirit for real and uh, i believe that once people do that i believe their lives will change forever and understand that uh, it's not about religion at all. You know, religion builds a wall between you and God. It's all about the relationship that you have with God. And I, I want people to understand that you must think about the relationship with God from the perspective of, I always say, look at it like a dating relationship at first, right? You you you, you get to know the individual, then you start to have, have this courtship. After that, you know, you you start going on these dates and you get to know each other. Next thing you know, there's an engagement, right? And then you start to get to know the the deeper uh, levels of of this individual. You you start to peel back the layers and then you get to the marriage. Once you're in the marriage, then you understand, okay, this is who I'm going to sup with, eat with, right? This is who I'm going to talk with. And when I say talk with, we have to understand that when you talk to God, you have to give him time to talk to. I don't know too many people that want to be in a relationship where all the conversations are one-sided, right? And so that's why we have to learn to pray and then we learn to meditate. That's when God gets to talk to us and show us what his plan and what the path is, right? And so I want people to, to start seeing God from that perspective. And remember this, God can be all things to all people. If you don't believe me, there's a movie called The Shack. I recommend everybody watch that movie called The Shack. It will show you. Mm-hmm. It will open your eyes and help you understand what it truly means by God can be all things to all people. I want people to understand that. But that's all I have. God bless everybody. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you. And God bless you. And, and say hello to your wife and your kids for me. I know that they're you know doing what they need to do on this great Saturday. And um, mm-hmm. I taking your time out, Dr. Kenny, uh, for coming on here. And I pray that you have a great rest of your Saturday. You too. Thank you so much. God bless you. Talk to you again soon. Talk to you soon.